her passing is definitely like the hardest thing that's ever happened to either of us but we were both like yeah we would do this like a hundred times over because Zariah deserved it like Zariah deserved everything we could give her and more hey you're listening to the rare life I'm your host, Madeline Cheney. Today, I have Sarah Yates' special topic episode all about her experience in fostering and adoption with an emphasis on the more difficult emotions that she has faced with that. If you haven't caught her story episode, the one previous to this one, I highly recommend pausing this one and going back to listen to that one first and then returning to this one because it really sets the foundation for this episode. So in this episode, Sarah talks about her grieving process in regards to Zariah, ways that she's changed as a person because of her, and how she's dealt with the difficult feelings towards her children's birth parents, as well as the intensely difficult feelings towards the nurse that caused her daughter's death. Obviously, the particulars of Sarah's story are pretty unique to her, but I found it really interesting to to hear how she's navigated through this thus far, and I think you will too. And shout out to those of you fellow adoptive foster medical parents listening also. I hope that you feel seen and included in this community. All right, let's jump in. Hi, Sarah. Welcome back to the show. Hey. So I would love to start out with a question. I I mean, like, I know the answer to this, but I would love to start out with the question of if you had known the end from the beginning of how things would turn out with Zariah, would you still have chosen to adopt her? Oh yeah. My husband and I have talked about this. Yeah. Her passing is definitely like the hardest thing that's ever happened to either of us, but we were both like, yeah, we would do this like a hundred times over because Zariah deserved it. Like Zariah deserved everything we could give her and more. I guess there is like a little bit of guilt that like it felt like it was so meant to be at first but then like sometimes in the back of my head I'm like I know like there's no way of knowing but I'm like if we hadn't adopted her if we hadn't taken her in if she had spent a lot more time in the hospital and eventually gone to another family like would she still be alive right now that's like a little Mm -hmm. bit of guilt I've been dealing with that's tough yeah I'm sure that oh my gosh I hadn't thought of that that probably is like such a painful little like voice in your head so I mean the answer is like mostly yes but then there's like that little thing in the back of my mind that like because one of the doctors in the NICU had said once like oh she's going to be here till her second birthday during that time I was like oh my gosh like I cannot let that happen like this girl is not having her second birthday in the hospital but then like when she Mm -hmm. passed she was 20 months old and so then I'm like oh like would it have been better if she had spent her second birthday in the hospital, like she would still be here. Yeah. That's kind of hard. Again, I think it goes back to like what we talked about in the first episode of like those what ifs or, you know, the whys of like, what could have been the situation to make it so that she would still be here. I'm not going to pretend to be like a psychology guru, but I'm sure that that is a very natural part of grief Mm -hmm. and especially accidental death like this. Like, being tormented by like oh like what could have been and how could I possibly 
have had her still and that just makes sense that totally yeah. makes sense but then like people talked to me and stuff and they were like oh my gosh Zariah was just so much happier like once she came home she was just she was yeah. smiling more she I don't know she just got a lot more playful like she just like progressed so much better with therapy once we got home she was so smart and like figured out all of our little games and so I don't it's just so hard there's like all the what ifs but then the time she was with us before that her life was a lot better than being in the hospital I think she enjoyed being home with us so much more but I mean again it's like well then she would maybe still be here yeah just thinking about like the life that you gave her even though now knowing like you know oh man it was like a lot shorter than we thought but like to know the amount of love and you know playfulness and just security that she had being in your family like I think that really is an amazing gift that you were able to give her and then the gift that you had because of that the gift of being her mom you know and of taking care of her and stuff if you could go back and like tell yourself something when you were first meeting Zariah and just kind of you know starting to explore the options of like fostering and adoption and stuff what do you wish you could have told yourself I think I would have told myself like yeah this little girl is gonna bring you more joy than you could ever imagine I love that yeah it's just such a multifaceted thing where it's like the end of it was tragic but there was so much love and so much joy that happened in between and like that it's all wrapped up in too right like I think the joy that you had together and the love you had together absolutely plays on the grief and the pain of not having her like it's all intertwined what is something that has surprised you about your grief process I barely cried at her funeral I was like, oh my gosh, like I felt like a terrible mother. Mm. Lots of people around me are crying and my eyes have watered a little bit, but like, I really haven't shed any tears. And then I like started reflecting. I'm like, why is this? I'm like, well, first of all, I've been like sobbing uncontrollably for like the last eight days. And then I just went a little bit numb afterwards. Like whenever we left the hospital without her, like after she had passed, I held her for like another 30 minutes afterwards. They took her away. Our parents came in. And then we had to leave. As I was walking out of the hospital, I just felt like so numb inside. I'd been feeling so much emotion for the last eight days. It was like my body just like could not handle anything else. Which then as yeah. I've been learning more about grief and looking into this and stuff, this is actually like very natural. And like everything that happens to me happens to like tons of people. And like, this is all very normal. But at the time I was like, oh my gosh, I'm a terrible mom. I'm not crying at my daughter's funeral. Uh, which probably made it so much worse, right? To yeah. feel that guilt of like, I'm a bad mom because I'm not crying right now. You mentioned that you've been looking into it and you're like, oh, the things that I've been experiencing are actually very normal. And a lot of people are experiencing the same type of feelings that I have been. How has that affected your grief? Uh, that has helped a lot. We started taking like this grief share class at one of the churches in town. We kind of stopped halfway through, but I think the first few lessons were like really helpful and stuff. And I was like talking about how everybody mm. grieves differently. And then it was, about, it was talking specifically about how people like feel judged or don't feel like they're grieving the right way. And I felt like that just hit home so much. And apparently lots of people worry and wonder mm. if they are grieving the right way. They're like, everybody's different. It's very normal for people to feel numb after an event like this for a while. And so it was just, 
but yeah because at the funeral I'm like oh my gosh like my grandpa's crying like my grandma's crying my mom's crying my dad's crying like all these people are crying and I'm like I'm not crying and I'm like I know I loved her more than all of these people yeah yeah I'm sure that was really confusing and very validating to be like not only do other parents feel numb but also other parents are feeling like oh I'm not grieving right so like both parts of that like you're not the only one you know feeling that way and experiencing that and I mean I think that solidarity and like regardless of what people are going through right like this applies to child loss it applies to you know just having a child disabilities if that's hard and you know just a variety of things I think knowing that there's no right way or wrong way to process it and grief. And then like also that you're not the only one dealing with it the way you are, like can be really healing in and of itself. Yeah. Um, so I think that's awesome. That yeah. You found like they're talking about also, like it's very important to process and work through your grief, but it's different on everyone. Like avoiding the grief is not the answer also. So they're like, some people just try to avoid yeah. it altogether and that's just going to make things worse and extend your like grieving process yeah yeah in what ways do you feel like you've changed because of surviving in your life being her mom like what ways do you feel like you're a different person than you were before her I don't know I mean for starters she just like made me a mom which like just completely changes your life life was never the same after yeah. that point I think I learned a lot about like just being selfless and I don't know she just taught me just like so much about how like all life is just so valuable and so beautiful like she had so many disabilities she was one of the smiliest one-year-olds like I had ever met I don't think Mm. anybody's ever gotten (laughs) as excited to see me as she would like whenever I got home from work she would like hear my voice as I was coming up the stairs and she would start crying until I like came over to see her And then she would just get so excited and she would start throwing her body from side to side and have like the biggest smile on her face. And I don't know, she was just joy, so happy, like happiness written all over her face. Mm, That is so sweet. I could totally picture that. (laughs) Oh my gosh. So like, yeah, like just recognizing, you know, like you said, like becoming a mother, like, I don't know. I don't think there's anything quite like that. Like that transition of being like an adult where you just like, your number one person to take care of is yourself and maybe a spouse or partner, but like to all of a sudden have this child that like relies on you like that and you have to continually like sacrifice your own wants and desires for them is, I agree. I think that's very life-changing and it it just changes everything. It changes everything mm-hmm. about you. Like, what other ways do you feel like you've changed for better or worse? Like there could be aspects that you found in yourself after her passing that like maybe you don't like or that you do like and just any of it. Uh, I feel like a lot of my innocence is gone like since her passing. Mm. I was just a very like optimistic person before like just always very hopeful like a lot of joy and everything like that and I feel like a lot of that is gone. I mean, like I play with my yeah. kids, like I, I enjoy all my kids and everything, but it's just like the reality that like, you always know bad things can happen, but when they actually happen to you, it's like, life is hard. Life is going to be hard. Like maybe not exactly like this, but like tough things like this are going to happen again. And 
I have to accept a little bit like I'm never going to be the same person I was before she passed so yeah totally like I think that kind of tragedy like just changes you right like because the unimaginable has happened and it's like then anything can happen you know and and will happen like there's almost like this acceptance of like it's just gonna happen yeah and I realized which other people I've been following other people on like Instagram and stuff who have lost kids and I saw a post about this and I was like oh my gosh like I have been thinking the same thing they're like once you have one child die you have like more of a fear that like additional children are going to die which I have like definitely had out I've like thought like oh my gosh what happens if like I adopt one of these other kids and then another freak accident happens or what if we like have biological kids and then like something happens to them and it like I don't know it's a fear I never really had before but now that it's happened like you're more Mm -hmm. afraid that it's going to happen again yeah which I know the chances of that happening again are like so 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 slim Uh, yeah but again, it, like it goes yeah. past your logic, right? Like a lot of this is at soul level and it's like, I mean, it's not logical, but it still, that's your reality, right? Like that's your new reality. So like where things like that can happen. And so that makes sense that, you know, it feels likely, it feels likely yeah. um, to happen again. And I can see why that would like, I don't know, kind of take away that innocence mm-hmm. in a way. It's a really yeah. good way of putting it. So like when... When Zariah passed away, did you feel like your identity shifting or like a loss of identity that you had before? Yeah, I definitely had like a mini identity crisis and stuff. Because even though I had only like legally been her mom for three months when she passed, like, I don't know. I was just so excited to be her mom. Like, I was so proud. I would tell like everybody I was her mom and stuff. And then when I don't know. It was just something about adopting her. Like I just started finding like so much of my identity in being her mom in like such a short period of time. And then when she passed, even though we still had like two more foster kids, like they weren't mine. And so even though it's like, okay, well, I'm always going to be Zariah's mom, which is what people kept telling me. And like, I'm a foster mom to these kids, but like, they're not mine. Like, I don't have any kids here, like with me right now that are like all mine. And so like, that was hard. Yeah. Have you been able to like find new identity yet? Or do you feel like that's still yet to happen? I feel like it's been getting better. My husband was having a hard time with this too. And like, just me reaffirming him, like you will always be Zariah's dad. And then, like, I think being a mom to, like, our foster mm-hmm. kids has helped, too. Mm-hmm. And, like, knowing, I know, like, we'll have kids of our own soon. Not like we're trying to adopt any of these kids who's planning our reunification or anything. Because I know people who are very into foster care might be like, oh, my gosh, like, don't foster just to adopt. Which we're not doing, but we are open to adopting them, like, if they need adoptive homes eventually. But, like, it's looking mm-hmm. like at least a couple of them will need adoptive homes just the way their cases are going like we're probably gonna have biological children too and so I just yeah Mm. it's just hard because I mean losing a child's hard yeah so you're saying that like because you still have that role as a mother and you will in the future have that more permanent role I guess as a mother like you can still have that identity and of course, like that's never going to oh, replace yeah. Zariah's, yeah. your place as her mother. So what 
is it like for you to like foster and then, you know, is there I adopt medically complex children? Like, what has that been like for you? Uh, I think, I don't know, Zariah's case is so different than our other two children's cases. Like, Zariah was pretty much abandoned, mostly not completely. And then our other two medical babies, like, their parents have been involved in stuff. And I've, like, had to, like, educate myself a lot more on, like, just foster care in general, which I feel like maybe all that education was not, like, 100% necessary with Zariah's case because it was so cut and dry. Hmm. and so like just getting used to like okay taking them to visits to see their parents having Mm -hmm. all these court meetings parental rights termination being contested and like we came into foster care being asked to adopt Zariah and like Mm -hmm. knowing for these kids like that was not the goal initially and we are working towards reunification as the foster parent like you are supposed to support that and stuff with one of our kids who was like so severely neglected I don't know. It's just so hard because I had like all of that anger. Yeah. Like towards their mom. Because I'm like, oh my gosh, like you messed up this kid like so badly, like for 14 months, like this kid Mm -hmm. did not get any of the care they needed. And now they're like so far behind and everything. Yeah. Yeah. So what has that process been like to feel kind of that frustration or that anger with like these these parents that are, you know, not there for their kids or not giving them the care that they need? Like, what kind of emotions do you have towards them? Uh, I think it's just something I've been really trying to work on in myself. And I've been trying to educate myself by like following lots of like former foster youth and foster parents on social media and stuff. And just remembering like most of these parents were not raised in the best home themselves. Like the Number one risk factor for having your kids end up in foster care is being in foster care yourself when you were a kid. And so it's just like trying to picture them as kids. Like they just were not taught how to parent. Like they didn't have good examples. Like one of these moms, Mm. she just honestly has like no idea. I think there's mental health issues too, but like just no idea what to do, like even in the slightest. Mm. And like a lot of them are battling addiction and stuff, which is like so hard. And so it's just, I've been trying to like give them grace and stuff. And I think having our older girls too has helped a lot because they just love their moms so much. Like their moms have wronged them. Like they've done so many things wrong, but that's still their mom and they love their mom. And one thing that's helped a lot is like, there's lots of times that they're like, well, they call me mom too. And so they'll (laughs) come and be like, hey, like, mom, can we pray about our parents tonight and stuff? And so like sitting down with these kids and like praying for their moms, praying that they'll get better, praying that that they can work through all of their problems and stuff like that, just like really like humanizes them and stuff. And like, just like hearing the six and seven year old, like praying for God to help their mom. It just like melts me and like really, Mm. really helps me to have grace for them. Yeah. I realized I had wrong views about foster care too, but like lots of people view foster care like, oh yeah, obviously it would be the best thing for like these kids to be taken away and out of these bad situations and stuff. Mm-hmm. And then a lot of times you would hear stories about foster parents like losing their foster kids and them going back to their moms. And it was like viewed as a tragedy and stuff like that. But then like as you like get educated and learn these things, 
the best possible outcome for these kids is that their parents get better Hmm. and that they go back with their parents because they're going to have the least trauma from that. Like, it doesn't matter. Like if you can provide more from them, if they can go to nicer schools, like if you can pay for their college, if they can do all these extracurricular activities, they are going to have the least trauma and they are going to have the better, like long-term outcome if they go back to their parents and their parents have really changed. And so like, wow, that's been like hard to process through. Cause I, I feel like I was just grown up and like taught to like think a certain way. And so I'm like kind of having to change how I think like the past few months. Cause I didn't even really have to face any of that with Zariah any either. Yeah. 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 That makes so much sense. And like imagining them praying for their mom, like that is so, that is so tender. Yeah. I can see why that's helped you like, mm-hmm. like, okay, like if they love them like that, then, you know, you can see them in a different light. And I think that's also a great like technique too, where you were like picturing them as, you know, kind of as foster children themselves, the parents as foster children and being like, oh, like they probably had a rough upbringing too. And that's what led to this. Like, I can totally see how that would you know, speak to your part of your heart that loves these foster children and takes care of them. And I think that's really cool. I feel like if I really don't like someone or I'm just like really upset with them, whatever, if you just picture them as like kids and especially as kids that are like having a kind of a rough time and raised, you know, in a rough way, like I think that really can give us a lot of compassion for each other and a lot of like just benefit of the doubt, I guess, you know, of recognizing like that a lot of times suffering causes us to do things that we normally wouldn't. And um, yeah, I think that's really cool. So speaking of like complex and difficult feelings towards people, what has it been like for you in regards to like your feelings towards the nurse that was in charge of Zariah when her, her trach accident happened? my emotions have been like all over the place from that. Mm. There's been like a lot of anger. I think anger is probably the biggest emotion. Yeah. Like we got the 911 recording. It was very obvious that this was an accident. Like she did not do this on purpose, but like, this is someone I trusted my child with. And Mm -hmm. they're like a trained medical professional granted based off the way things went down I don't think she got as much training as she should have I had gone over all the stuff with her at the beginning but I'm like well you've taken like basic CPR for sure and so like I Mm -hmm. feel like that alone should have I mean like they teach you the ABCs it's like airway breathing and circulation like the first thing you check is airway I'm like this is like one of the first things they teach you in any healthcare class like yeah or any CPR class you take like you check the airway first then you check on breathing and then you worry about circulation so I don't know it was just something like so basic from somebody who's supposedly trained and at least I know they went to school and that they've taken at least basic CPR and so it's just I'm like you didn't even I don't yeah it's just (sighs) and then I've been like trying to work through like eventually I want to get to the place where I'm able to forgive her now I know a lot of people have been saying like oh my gosh like I could never forgive Mm -hmm. like 
somebody who did this to my kid, but like, I forget where I heard this once, but it was like bitterness is like drinking poison and expecting the other person to die. So if I'm just like letting this hate inside me, like grow and grow and grow, like that's not going to hurt her. That's just going to like continue to hurt me and like bring me down and hurt my life. Yeah. And like, yeah, we're like very strong believers and stuff too. And I know like God calls us to forgive everything and before I was like oh yeah like obviously like yeah we're supposed to forget everything but I never thought like God would ask me to forgive something like this big yeah so it's, it's gonna be a long process but I'm like trying to let go of that hate and bitterness in my heart towards her which mm. is hard but yeah. yeah oh my gosh yeah I'm sure like I'm feeling this I'm sure everyone listening right now is feeling this like holy cow like what a task right like to eventually get to that point and I like how you said that not necessarily right now but like at some point you would like to get to that point where you forgive her because I'm guessing you know that will take a lot of time and a lot of work especially the way it happened like you said like a lot of it was like incompetency where there should have been competency and like with your background where you could recognize those gaps and just knowing how easily it could have been prevented. and But I think you're also right when you say like that it will improve your life if you aren't feeling that anger and bitterness all the time towards her. And I think that's probably the bottom line, right, is like to improve your life as much as possible by eventually getting to that point, which would be so amazing. Yeah. But then at the same time, I like never really want to see her again either. Yeah. Which I don't even know if I would ever get to that point where I would be like, okay with that, which I've been talking to people, which I think that's okay. And I can yeah, <laughs> yes. get to a point where I can forgive her and like, let this go to some extent, not, not like let her death go, but like, let this like bitterness and anger go, mm-hmm. but like still like, I don't have to face her. <laughs> like, it's just, I like, yes. I know it was an accident, but I know like if I saw her, like all of these emotions would just like, like, I don't even know how I would handle it. So. Yeah. Well, like, I do think that like, it all needs to kind of come back to like your emotional health, your grief process and like what is best for you. Mm-hmm. And so I think recognizing like, Hey, I think it would be really great for me to be able to like, not be harboring this like hatred or anger bitterness but like also I don't know that if I could handle like seeing her and staying in that place and so I think that's very wise and like I don't know I think it's a really good call that those are like the boundaries that you have for yourself and like you say like this is different this isn't like little things like oh forgive someone for cutting you off in traffic like this is a really big deal and so Mm -hmm. that, that totally makes sense Yeah, I don't know. Like when you learn in church and stuff, like, oh yeah, you're supposed to like forgive everything, like, because like God has forgiven you from so much. But yeah, I mean, everything I like thought of before, like situations where I would have to forgive people, like none of them were this big. And so it's just, yeah, it's a lot. Yeah. I mean, like, to be honest, it feels like the one, like, uh, what is man's search for meaning? Is that that the name of the book where the guy that was like in the concentration camp, like shook hands with one of the guards and says like, I forgive you. Like, do you know what story I'm talking about? I think I do. Yeah. It kind of feels like that level of epicness, like, oh my gosh, you know, what a task. Yeah. Do you, so, okay, here's a question for you too. Like if you picture 
the version of yourself right now, like where you are still having a lot of those feelings of like, you know, anger and like hatred and like bitterness towards her. And then if you picture like, I don't know, like down the road, maybe 10 years, 20 years, and you picture yourself maybe at a place where like, you can be like, yeah, I let the anger go and I'm not bitter anymore. Um, what does that feel like to picture that, like that future day versus right now? I think it would feel like very freeing, like a weight's been lifted off of my shoulders. Yeah. So you must feel that weight right now. The weight of that, of yeah. those hard feelings towards her. I feel like it's even gotten a little bit better than after it initially happened, but yeah, there's definitely some of that weight there. I feel like I avoid mm. thinking about this nurse a lot too. So <laughs> sorry for bringing it up. Oh, it's okay. <laughs> like... But I, I feel like, I don't know. I feel like I sometimes like block that out a little bit, but I mean, it's good yeah. for me to like talk about this and process through things and like work through this grief and everything that happened. So yeah. Yeah. So kind of in conclusion, what advice would you leave with listeners that may be experiencing similar grief to yours or maybe a little bit different, but, you know, a grief and a pain that may be similar? What kind of advice would you have for us? I think my advice would be to just like grieve at your own pace. Like don't, don't let people try to rush you through it. Don't let people give you a hard time if it's taking you longer to grieve than people would expect you to. And just to make sure you're not avoiding that grief too. Like it's important to talk about the grief you're feeling. It's if you just stuff it down, like you're going to still be dealing with these same issues like five years from now. And talk to people about it, process through it, work through it. It's okay to cry. Even if you need to like cut out time in your day to cry about it and work through that. If a child's passed, like don't avoid their gravesite. It's good to like confront those feelings. Like go through your phone, like look through pictures of your kid, like look through pictures and videos. And then at first it'll be really hard and bring back a lot of sadness and grief, but eventually, which I feel like I'm just starting to get there, we'll be able to look back at those pictures and be able to smile and remember those memories for what they were. And they won't bring you sadness anymore, but you'll remember the joy that you had in those moments. And like one of the grief classes we took, it was like, you can't like skip these steps of grief. Like you have to work through grief. You can't go around grief. Like you can't avoid it. Like eventually, like it's going to eat you alive if you don't process through what's happened. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's really, really good advice. And I, you know, I think it's easier said than done. At least that's been my experience with grief. Like, (laughs) you know, to, to be willing to face it head on whenever you feel up to it. But like, I do think it'll evolve into something that is tolerable and, you know, change us along the way in ways that will probably be, you know, kind of a beautiful transformation, even if it's really painful and it takes 20, 30, 50 years down the road. Like Mm -hmm. I do think that grief really can change us because it's always centered in love. I think that's the common factor of grief. Yeah. And one thing that has been helpful that people have said like whenever you lose a loved one like I feel like some people are afraid that like if they try to move forward with their life that they're like kind of forgetting and leaving the other person behind but 
I loved how one person put it like there's a difference between moving on and moving forward like Mm. you'll never move on from what happened but like you work through this grief and you find a way to like move forward because you have to and that's what your loved one would have wanted and you're like taking their memory along with you oh that's really beautiful I love picturing that well thank you so much Sarah for sharing ways that you have evolved and changed and different experiences that you've had with your grief with Soraya and with adoption and fostering and coming up against someone who's wronged you and I really appreciate your openness oh thank you if this episode brought up some intense feelings about grief whether that is about child loss or a difficult diagnosis, I encourage you to look into our sponsor, BetterHelp. They are an online therapy service that offers therapy in the convenience of your own home and at a more affordable price than typical therapy. They even offer financial aid to those who qualify. So check out the link in the show notes to learn more about that if that speaks to you. Join me next week for a conversation with Maura Cleary, rare mom to two teenage daughters and mindfulness practitioner, as we chat about ways we can stay true to ourselves and our inner values while also meeting the intense needs of our family. I hope you join us. See you then.